um, at this time, I'm talking to Jeannie Palfrey like every other day. You know what I mean? And she's reading me on because she's telling me her story about what's happening to her with the government. Now, let's, you know? let's, let's back that up because when did you start talking to her? She got arrested in the early 90s and it hit the news. And what I would do is I'd track them down through their attorney or through their judge of their case. And then I would call them up and say, hey, you know, I got arrested in 84. They splashed me all over the news. I was the high-tech madam. I'll send you a fax over of my news clipping if you want to know I'm for real, you know. And I'd say, I've got this group started. You obviously are going to be going through a very difficult time right now. You're going to be going through this court proceeding, and they're probably going to take all your money, you know. And so you're going to be needing some emotional support. So, yes, I wrote, I reached out to her once in the early 90s. Now, she gave me the speech then about, I'm just going to go in the antique business. I'm going to be fine. I'm not going to need any help. I don't need any help, but thank you very much for offering. Now, this is you Deb know? Palfrey. The DC madam is what we're talking about. She's just a yeah interesting character to me. That's why her I, first that, arrest. Well, okay, when she got busted the first time in ninety two, that's when they yeah she said that's when they were pressuring her to be an informant. So that's why she quit and ran the antique store for a while. But then she said her mother got sick and needed surgery, so that's why she went back to it. Gotcha. Now, Jeannie had kind of branched away from L.A at that point because of Alex and she'd started uh, expanding to Washington. Because I remember in the early 90s she had set up her office in Washington, D.C. So she was like catering more to the Washington crowd but she lived in California. Okay? Four. Now, and I think it... it went a long way towards the second time where we clicked because she remembered that I reached out to her in the 90s. October 2006 is when they raided her house. Now is that when she called you? When did you start talking to her? Yeah, right. That's when I started talking to her. Okay, so then she, uh, you guys just got into it right away. What the hell happened? And she just kind of gave you a frantic, I mean, I, I just have to yeah, stab on Yeah, I this. said, what's going on? I said, what's going on? She told me. They stopped me at the airport. They stopped me from leaving the country. They, they and, and I'm like, why were you leaving the country? She said she knew that it was, you know, getting um, dangerous. And then she brought up Brandy. She said after Brandy's death, she believed Brandy was murdered. She said she believed Sylvia Landry was murdered. Um, so she said that she felt like her time was short and that she needed to get the hell out of Dodge. And that she said that's what she was trying to retire and just go underground and off the grid. And she said they stopped me at the airport because they don't want to let me go. So then when she came home, she called you. I just want to get the escalation. So you mm -hmm. heard about this from her. She called you. She's like, I can't believe they did this, blah, blah, blah. How did this escalate? How did it get to the lawyer thing? Or this happened so fast? Like, was it a fast? You know what it I mean? It was fast. Yeah, okay, it so was she, fast. So it was like she got arrested, I'm, and all of a sudden you guys were talking about it for a little bit. Then I was like, well, let's get my lawyer involved. What were the options she was thinking of? Like, it, it, she had to have weighed the options of, um, tell, like, going out there and, you know, exposing. She was pretty clear. She was very clear that she did not want to plea bargain, that she wanted the truth to come out about her situation. And she said the only way that she knew how to do that was to force trial. So she refused all attempts at a plea bargain. Now, did she ever she was the one pushing it in trial. Did she ever discuss, like, her, her system? Like, the D.C., just that, that realm of 
maddening. I mean, I don't know if you want to go into what... It, I mean, we're talking DC. Are we talking like... um? I mean, we have to be talking high-end people. It has to be. I mean, you... Of course. I mean... Oh, my God. She would advertise. She said she, you know, advertised in... Um, because, you know, she saw what was going on with Alex in California. So she wanted away from California. That's why she wanted to focus on Washington, D.C. The money was down there, you did, know? Did she ever talk about being involved with the cops like you were, or informant, or any of that stuff? I know you, you hint towards it, but did she ever talk about it? Um, now, how they met, she never told me. She just said that they would come to her every six months to debrief her on, you know, information on the client. Because she was explaining to me that every six months, some guy from the CIA would come down and talk to her. She said it was either CIA or FBI would come down and, like, debrief her. You know, like, like ask her everything about the client, everything about the girls, you know, everything that she knew, but just, like, pump her for information. And then she said, towards the end, they were pressuring her to do more than just give information. They were pressuring her to get the women to do and say things to manipulate these clients. I mean, if you looked at her phone book, she had some pretty big who's who in that book. You know? No, I believe so, it. I mean, she's in the dead center of it. D.C. Sex trafficking mm -hmm. operation tied in with the CIA. I mean, you got... And that's why they don't want to let her go. She's useful to them. But so, we get the madam to do it. If the madam's the one doing it, it's not the government doing it. You know, but it, she said it was the government telling her what to do and they weren't willing to let her go. And she told me that she had put all of her money, um, disposable money into a coin collection. And she figured that she could take the coin collection with her out of the country. Um, and she told me she'd been scouting property in Germany and that she was going to move to Germany and retire. I mean, she said that she needed to get out of the U.S. because of what was happening to her. And she said that um, she was getting ready to, you know, leave. And she said that she was actually at the airport to go close on some property she found in Germany. And she was at the hell out of Dodge. And she said that they stopped her at the airport and arrested her. Mm. You know so what? they it's... wanted to make damn sure she didn't leave the country is what happened. Because I'm like, look, you know, I can smuggle you into Canada. I, and I tried. I was like, let me get you a fake ID. Let me get you into Canada. And she's like, you don't understand the technology. She's like, and I really didn't at the time. Now I do. Now I understand. It wouldn't have worked. There, there is nowhere you can go. I mean, she said, Jody, she said, you could do that in the 80s. You know, you can't do it now. I mean, I mean, this is why she was speaking out. Why she felt that she had no no other no, way out. It's it's amazing. That's why the whole thing is amazing. So you you talk to her daily, is what you're telling me. Yeah, I started talking to her right from then on, like daily. Now she's going through her talk. She lived in California, right? Uh, well, no. Well, then she was in Florida. Oh, okay. She was in Florida because she was. I know she was tending to her mom. Oh. Okay. So I don't. Yeah, she was because her mom was in Florida, I think Fort Myers. So she was having to also take care of her mom. Evidently, oh wow, evidently. And Montgomery told me that the inspector general and the prosecutor and a cop, there were three people that had come up the driveway and knocked on the door to talk to the mom and were threatening to arrest the mother. Now, Montgomery? Montgomery Sibley was her attorney in oh, the okay, beginning. Okay. okay. 
Okay. So what happened was, well, the judge ordered a gag order on her. The judge ordered a gag order on her attorney. They got her attorney disbarred, and I don't know the details of how he got disbarred, but, but Palfrey was like mid, mid-case, mid mid-trial, and all of a sudden her lawyer's been disbarred. Uh-oh. So, yeah, now it's a problem. They've taken all of her assets, they've taken her attorney, and they put a gag order on him, too. So he wasn't allowed to talk about anything to anyone to get her help. And I mean, um, that's why when ABC was coming to her, saying she wanted to get the names out because she said if, if she got the names out of who was in the book, she would have proof of what they were making her do. And you okay? would have everyone else looking into it. I mean, she was on the news. She was there. We I remember seeing her. You know what I mean? She was... She well, definitely came out of, the, out of the into the light, and everybody who had their eyes locked on it because it was so exposing. Then they put a, a a block on releasing any names in her black book, saying it wasn't the public didn't have the right to know. Um, so she's just getting you know completely blocked on the trial. Well, here's what happened: she uh, refused a plea bargain because she wanted to get her evidence out in her case. She could have taken a plea bargain and walked without jail. But she knew she was risking jail to push that into trial. She pushed it into trial because she wanted to get the truth out about what was going on with her. Yeah, and, and that she was, was a, still that was, blocked. Go ahead. You know, and that's, I mean, I admire her in a way because, I mean, I'm like going, why don't you just shut up and run off to Canada? And she's like, nope, nope, nope. She says, I can't run away. They won't let me. It's balls to the wall. And she's right because she probably didn't know some fucking crazy shit. You yeah. know what I mean? And she, yeah. there's no way. Oh, man. I mean, she's okay. D.C. But go ahead. Keep going. Well, that's why when the court put a gag on, on the attorney and the court um, put a block on the names being released that were in her book, that's when ABC comes and says, you know, we'll tell the names on the book. We'll verify it. We'll get the, where we're at. Now, I warned her about the Joni Ghosh case, and to be careful, okay? So what happened was she did not give them the originals, and what, what they did was she made 10 sets of the book, well, parts of it, not all of it, but parts of it, okay? And she gave 10 different websites um, the book, and one of them was the smoking gun. And she said, you need to be like the check and balance system to ABC, Okay. So, sure enough, I watched ABC come out and say, there are no names of any significance in this book. Uh. And I was just about, oh, my God. You know, so props to the smoking gun. Smoking gun went, uh-uh-uh, not so fast. You know, and they released some of the names that they found. Now, then I saw ABC go, oh, mm, oh, gee, we overlooked those. Oh, you're right. And so ABC recanted. You know, and had to acknowledge it because these 10 other websites were saying what Randall a... Tobias, David Vitter, etc., right? Now, that wasn't all of them. What she had mess. other names. And what she told me was she was reserving the big names for if she lost her, her case. Yeah, because and, and yeah, they, they kill her. She was probably scared. She I was mean, terrified. You have to Absolutely be terrified. Fucking te- I mean, you got... you. Are on you are in the crosshairs of the fucking deadliest people in the world. 
Mm-hmm. And and you're just another dead hooker to them. <sighs> yeah. That's why we talk to each other every day. I'm scared, she's scared, and we understood each other. What we talk about is we both had this mutual desire to get the truth out. And we both knew, and especially after what we just saw with ABC, we knew that we were not going to get it out with major media, okay? So uh, what we talked about was, you know, what we wanted to do, what we want our goals. I mean, we were going to take her million dollars, and I was working on the paperwork to form the corporation to make a production company. And we were going to call it Mad Madam Productions. I love that. Okay. And we had decided that we were going to take the money and we were going to do a documentary on not just her, but we were going to do a documentary on what they were doing to all of the madams. Because they had done to her what they'd done to Alex, what they'd done to me, you know, what they'd done from what. And the plan was we were going to go like interview all these other madams mm. and make the documentary about the truth. So she was all gung ho on that we were going to make these documentaries, you know? And then, um, yeah, she got assigned a public defender. Oh, Christ, great. Which, no surprise, she lost the case, right? Was it in Florida? Yeah, I think it's Florida. Because Broward County is, like, super corrupt. I would just be curious what county, because I know that, I mean, either way. So she, she she has the case in Florida, and she gets guilty, is what you're saying. Or she doesn't take the plea. Yeah, they found her guilty. They found her guilty. Yeah. So she was going to have to appeal it. Yeah, she lost the case. So basically they said she was guilty of fibbing and pandering. Her defense was she was the one being trafficked. Okay? By Jeannie Palfrey's definition, she was a trafficking victim. This is a woman who wanted to quit. Okay? She says they kept making her continue to work because they were controlling her. They were manipulating her. They wanted her to do what she was doing because of the information she was feeding them, okay? That's, that's why she said that she knew the only way that she'd be allowed to retire would be to leave the country. This is forced prostitution. She's being forced to continue running her service by the government who's using her for the information she's providing. No, she's absolutely okay? right. She's, she's one of the most famous trafficking victims ever in that case. Because it, yeah. it definitely is, uh, she's stuck. And then she says, fuck them. I love it. Instead of taking the plea order, which she probably would have, they probably would have killed her and no one would have heard her name after that. You know what I mean? So I, I that's what I mean. Exactly she, why she didn't take the plea order. She was already she, she in what it. happened to Sylvia. Yeah, she saw what happened to Sylvia, hung in her jail cell. She saw what happened to Brandy, hung in her living room. She knew she'd just be found hung in her jail cell. So, exactly. Yeah, oh she God. was going forward by going forward. Balls I, to the wall. I love that lady. I mean, and... That, you know, if she could get her book out to show why she was being trafficked and forced to do this by the government and proof that the government was forcing her, but they wouldn't allow her to, to give that information, which she would have got on appeal. She would have been, the fact that they denied her evidence to defend herself would have been grounds for the appeal. So she was going to file the appeal. She didn't think she was going to go to jail, you know? Yeah, she was going to fight it. I mean, we were like, oh, now it's appeal time. Goody, goody. I mean, you know, no, we, she wasn't, she was gung-ho on the appeal, all right? She was gung-ho on getting the movie production company going. I mean, she was, you know what, she's an old school madam like I was, and 
you know, we're it's it's pretty ingrained to be discreet. You just don't talk about your clients. Gotcha. Which is why to me it's so offensive to have to be forced into being an informant because it just goes against everything you're taught about not talking about your clients. You know. No, I mean, that's another reason why I know it rankled her so badly, is that it's it's really ingrained in the old school madams to be discreet. And here she is being forced to, like, tell things she doesn't want to tell. She said that when she, you know, got enough um, exposure to prove that she was being forced to, to do this to madam, then, you know, maybe we'd see some reform in the trafficking laws. I mean, that was what she was adamant about. Because she was saying, I'm a trafficking victim. She said, but they're portraying us, think about it, they're portraying them like Chong Kim or Smalley Ma'am, like some poor helpless little foreign chick. That, you know, they're not touching on the real case that she was. And that's what she was really, like, adamant about getting the, the information out that when you're forced into it, it's not always forced into prostitution. Sometimes you're forced also, madam. And that's what she was wanting to get across for the lawmakers that they weren't recognizing. Now, if they were to come in and they'd say she was one of the traffickers. No, she was surviving. And until they understand the psychology of being in that situation, the laws are going to be woefully in, in, incorrect for us. You know? No, definitely. Here's what happened. She calls me up frantic, and she says that she's being followed. Like, somebody was on her ass, following her around all day. And I remember the guard where she was living, like the condo where she was living, she said that he noticed that she was being followed. So it wasn't just like her paranoid thinking she was being followed. The guard could see that she was being followed. Yeah, there's, there's, so there's, there's paranoia out the question right now. I mean, this girl is yeah. high profile. Yeah, so she loaded, and it could have been a crazy fanatic, who knows. But somebody was following her. She said it was a dark-haired man. You know, and then the so like I asked her, can you get a picture? She, she was like, no, I mean, and, you know, she's like frantic. What do I do? What do I do? I, you know, I'm like, I know people you can go hide, you know, stay with. I mean, we've got members of Sex Workers Anonymous all over the place, right? They're in Florida. They're in New York. I mean, take a house, you know, <laughs> I'm like, and then she goes, it's my mom. I'm worried about that if they can't find me, they'll do something to my mom. So her thought process was that she wanted to go protect her mother from if they couldn't find her. You know what I mean? She thought it'd be logical. They might go to her mom. It's true. So she was like, I'm going to go to my mom's. And I'm like, and then she says, but she says, they'll probably try to break into my house to get the black book from me. So she went home. So what she wanted to do was she wanted to go get all of her black book out of the apartment, the condo, and she put it in the car, and then she went to her mother's house. Okay. And what she was telling me is I spoke to her like about 8 o'clock Florida time. Okay? She had just gotten to her mom's house. She told me she was safe. So I'm like, you know, you're in your mom's house. Now, and it's, hard to, it's hard to cut you off again, but this is before or after the case. Um, what was after she was found guilty. Gotcha. How many days do you think? I, like, was it a long period of time? No, no, it wasn't long. I don't remember, but it was quick. Gotcha. Because okay. I remember she was still angry. She was still like foaming at the mouth <laughs> that she lost. And I was saying, don't worry, we've got the appeal. She was saying, fuck it, I'm giving a press conference. <laughs> so 
All that day, she had told me that she was organizing a press conference to release more names. And she said, the names I release are going to make the other ones look like kindergarten. Mm. You know? And she said, It'll, it's going to blow people's minds. So, I mean, she had a plan of which names she was going to release. You know? No, definitely. So, I mean, the last thing she said to me was like 8 o'clock that night, where she was like, I'm not leaving the house till the press conference tomorrow. You know? And now, when I heard the news that she was dead, right? So, in other words, the day she was found dead, she said she had organized a press conference. Um, they were saying it was suicide, I mean, that day. And I knew they hadn't had time to do any frickin' homework, right? So, I called down to Florida, and I asked to speak to the detective in charge of her case, whose name I do not remember. But they gave me the detective's name, and I got a hold of him on the phone. Is this detective so-and-so? Yes. I said, are you in charge of Popper's case? Yes. And I, you know, told him the whole thing. I said, I've been talking to her every day. I said, I have phone recordings. I have emails. I have text messages um, that are relevant. You're going to want to see them. And I'm telling you that I want you to dust her fingerprints on the rope. Now, because I said, I think somebody strung her up. And I said, you know, basically... I said, I'm going on TV and I'm going to talk about this as a murder. So I said, if you don't want to be embarrassed, I suggest that you look around really hard and dust her fingerprints to see if she was strung up by somebody. And I said, do you want me to forward you, you know, these text messages and emails? He goes, if I need them, I'll let you know. I mean, blow off, right? Mm. Okay, but I knew that Geraldo had been very kind to me over the years. I'd done like four or five Geraldos, right? And I still had his producer's phone number. He was on Fox 10. So, you know, I called um, and talked to his brother. Geraldo's brother was producing his show back then. And I said, I've got all this information on Paul Free and why I think it was murder. He said, done. He says, you're booked for like Wednesday night. I remember it was a Wednesday. So I had plans to go on Geraldo's show to talk about her case being a murder. Now, I had told this detective that. The next morning, I had to take Gabby uh, to the doctor because we were getting ready for her surgery then, okay? Now, Tonopah's like, like I said, it's an eight-hour drive to Vegas. So I had to take her into Vegas, and then I had to come back. So we were gone, you know, like two or three days or something. Um I come back about 5 a.m., and this was on a Tuesday, because I know that I was getting ready to go out Wednesday to do Geraldo's show, okay? So Tuesday, come back, like 5 a.m., drive up in front of my apartment, and I've got five police cars sitting in my parking lot and a drug dog, right? So I get out. I don't know if they're there for me or not. I just shoot them in the parking lot at 5 a.m., you know, I get out, cop walks up to me, are you Jody Williams? Yes. Because I have a warrant here to search your apartment and um, came in, tore apart my house top to bottom. I mean, shredded my apartment. They, they were there from 5 a.m. till about noon, just ripping apart my apartment. I mean, they wrecked it, you know? And the whole time I'm thinking to myself, did he really think I've got, like, her, her like, emails laying around somewhere? I mean, you oh, know, they yeah, were trying to find... So this is, this is 
Oh, man. So, the, yeah, they're looking for anything you because they knew you were talking to her. Or drugs they could bust me on, right? I mean, they were ripping out, like, outlets out of the wall. I mean, they flipped my mattress, tore open my couch. I mean, they just ripped my apartment to shreds. So I'm thinking they're looking for drugs. So when they get done about noon, which is like seven hours of tossing my apartment and can't find shit, you know, they turn around and they take my identification, my checkbook, my ID, my social security card. They took uh, all my debit cards. And I'm like, uh, I need those, you know, like how the hell am I supposed to pay my rent, you know? I mean, they took my ID, my debit cards, my checkbook, anything to pay for anything with. Now, and I said, that stuff's not in the warrant, and I don't think you can take my identification, you know? And the guy literally said to me, the one cop says, identification, what identification? And he's flipping it in his pocket, and I'm going, oh, lovely, okay. So basically, yeah, I've got the 800-pound gorilla. What am I going to do, right? Mm, so as I start, fuckers, dude. Go ahead. Well, as I'm arguing with them, because I'm thinking I've got to get on the flight the next day. I can't get on the flight without ID. So I'm like, I need my ID, please. So as I'm arguing with them, they look around and they go, this apartment is not a fit house for a child to be in. We need to call Child Protective Services. Oh, I about cracked a brick right there, right? So now, thank God, whoever answered at CPS was sane and... She said, you have to give her time to clean the apartment. Because they're not going to... I mean, evidently, they're pretty crowded at CPS, right? Yeah. So the guy goes, you've got two hours to make this apartment habitable. I'll be back in two hours. Oh, my great. So I've just driven, mind you, I've just driven an eight-hour drive. They've just spent seven hours tossing my apartment. Now i got to put it back together. He just looks me dead in the eye, and he goes, I'll be back. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay. I don't know what that means, but I don't like the sound of it, right? I don't know how serious this is. I mean, I do think she's been murdered. And I talked to the mom, and I'm like, you need to say something. And she says, what, and have them come back and get me? What did she say? The mom said she believed it was murder, too. Well, what, well I mean, and she I, was there. So what What did she say? Like, oh, one moment she went out back or someone came to the door? She was asleep. She was asleep. She said she was asleep. I said, did you hear anybody knock, anything? She said, no, she was asleep. She has medication she takes at night. Yeah. She said she takes medication at night and she sleeps, you know, like the dead and she doesn't hear anything. But uh. she said because of her medication, she wouldn't have heard anything so either. She, is she the one who found her? Like, how did she get discovered? Yeah, I never quite asked that question. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it is kind of a personal question. What? I understand, like, not prying on her. I, I get it. I was just asking. Cause I yeah. To. I mean, she was so shook when I talked to her. The last time was very brief. But she asked me, she said, please, at the time, she said, please leave it alone. She said, I'm worried that they're going to come back after me. And I'm like, okay. So, because the mom's first interview said she thought it was murder. Then the second interview was suicide. Yeah. So I asked her why, and she said, I'm scared. So I was like, oh, well, makes sense. And then she did ask me to like back down off of it. So while the mom was alive, I, I didn't, because I understood the mom was scared. You know? And yeah. plus, I didn't want another run at my kid with CPS. I mean, this guy threatened to take my kid to CPS over this shit. So that's what I mean, is I was not safe 
in Tonopah either. 